and welcome to this episode of Stories of Strange Women. We're your hosts. I'm Tanya Hurley. And I'm Tracy Hurley Martin. And today is our Easter episode. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, so break out your stigmata cookies. With the, mm-hmm. Did you see that on um, Nourishing Death's Twitter? You sent it to me. I'd love yeah, that. I need to try to make them. They have. There's a recipe for everyone interested on... Um, Nourishing Death's Twitter, and it's um, a raspberry jam for the stigmata, and then mm-hmm. like a regular hand butter cookie. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be perfect for the kids. Perfect for tea. Yeah. Easter tea. Wouldn't that be great? I'm yeah. going to try it. I'm going to try it. Okay. Um, I'll eat them. Yeah. So today we welcome our friend Elizabeth Harper, who is the um, creator of the blog All the Saints You Should Know, which I am obsessed with that blog and have been for quite a long time mm-hmm. because I'm obsessed with saints mm-hmm. and um, I, I I would go to that blog a lot when I was writing the Blessed Trilogy it's a YA trilogy about saints that I wrote and she, her, her she's a relic hunter she goes all around the world in search of Catholic relics in these churches and basements and yeah, she's catacombs. Yeah, catacombs. She she gets it done. Yeah. And um it's a beautiful blog and very informative. And I just I love talking to her and talking to her about Holy Week in Zamora, Spain, which she she's been to. Yeah. Um <laughs> she par- she partook in. I had no idea that it was that wild there. Yeah. Holy for I'm, Holy Week. I know. Mardi Gras. Sex, sex, sex over there. Yeah. Yeah. It is like Mardi Gras. Yeah. Yeah. And she, we talk about that. Holy Week and her um, going through different churches um, and stories of different saints, which I'm totally obsessed with because they're all fucked up, those stories. I love them. They're Mm -hmm. supernatural. They're scary. They're... um, they're just uh, fascinating to me. And she also talked about how she related to saints when she was young. And uh, she suffered from anorexia and how she turned to Catherine of Siena, who was the patron saint of That's eating disorders. That's who she identified with. Yeah, that she could relate to her, mm-hmm. which I found fascinating. Anyway, you're going to love her if you don't already. Um, and I just have to talk about my dream last night real quick <laughs> before we get into the interview. Because I watched the trailer for the exorcism documentary. Yes. Um, coming out. The devil and father. Amorth. Amorth. And he's the exorcism priest in the Vatican. For the Vatican. For the Vatican. Yeah. Well, not anymore, but this is what the, he, He's 91 or something, right? Yeah, this is the documentary on his final exorcism. Yes, okay, so I watched that before going to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, never. That's not good. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready. I'm I'm an adult. I mean, I, don't believe, I saw I don't the really believe when, in I, it. when I was young. I'm yeah. fine now. I'm not fine. Um. So yeah, I watched that. Went to sleep. Dreamt, of course, of an exorcism. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. I wasn't involved in the exorcism at all. I was just an observer of it. <laughs> but I woke myself up talking possessed like the woman that was possessed i was i was her voice i was her i woke myself up as her Mm -hmm. like what are you doing in here that's how i woke myself up and i sat in the corner with the lights off in the bedroom 
just totally and freaked out. Like, am I possessed? I don't know. They're on the rise. They are on the rise. They just added new priests to this. Yeah. It's the end of days. This troop they have. Anyway. But, so, we don't know if I'm possessed or... It could have been just because I watched the trailer, but I don't think so. We'll hand it to Elizabeth. Yeah. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Elizabeth Harper. Welcome, Elizabeth Harper. We are so thrilled that you have made the time on your trip to New York. The journey. (laughs) (laughs) And left your Williamsburg bathtub. It was, that was the hardest part. Yeah. It was really the hardest part for me. But I mean, I really can't believe you're here after seeing that on your Instagram, um, how beautiful that is. But you are the author, creator of the blog, All the Saints You Should Know. That is correct. And I've been obsessed with you for quite a while, <laughs> quite a while, because um, I've written about saints, you know, and teens and things yeah. like that. And so I've gone to your blog several times. Awesome. Um, that makes yeah, me so Obsessively. Happy. <laughs> I, I do I love not only writing about saints but so many of them um especially in the middle ages we don't think of them as teenagers because the concept of teenagers didn't really exist in the middle ages you were just an adult and that was unfortunate for you but so many of these saints were actually teenagers when all of this was happening to them that they would enter a convent and maybe be abbess by the time they were 19 or 20 years old and a lot of the when you read their writing if you know that, it still comes off as someone who's of that age. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, so I, I love that 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 was useful to you because that's one of my favorite parts about them, that is how human they are and, you know, everything that they go through that's so similar to what we go through. Yeah, I mean, when I was growing, I grew up Catholic. Did you grow up Catholic? Oh, yeah. <laughs> In a big way. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are you still Catholic? or? I mean... Would you consider I, yourself? I kind of feel like they they can't they can't not have me at this point. Like <laughs> like I'm I'm so far in. I'm not I'm not very good at practicing it. But um So you yeah, don't necessarily go to church? Uh, I go to church a, a couple times a year. But I count myself. I mean no you go to churches. I, and I do That's go to what churches. You do. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of you well, this that's morning. That's interesting that you um, would consider yourself? Well, I mean, here's the thing is I feel like the Catholic Church obviously is problematic for for women, for gay people, for uh, uh, for minorities with the history of colonization. If everyone like me who thinks that all of that is is bad leaves, then we leave just the sort of worst parts of the church for the people who like all that stuff to claim. But I think that if you count yourself, then you can salvage the the really beautiful parts of the religion the really beautiful parts of the culture Mm -hmm. and um and you can point out the parts that are still problematic Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's good for everyone if we if we all stay well i i agree with you i mean i don't go to church anymore um but i do uh i do love the you know the aspects of the catholic church i love the history the relics which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I really do. I love it all. Um, I think it's a beautiful religion, um, of course, with its problems. Um, but I, I, I love that point that you just made, if we all left. Yeah, it would then, be nothing but... Yeah. Well, I left. You, you did. 
I live. Or were you excommunicated? I, I don't know. I think a little bit of both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a recovering Catholic. But, um, you know, I appreciate all of the things that you appreciate about the church. It's mm-hmm. just... Not for you. No. Not for As me. As an adult. Yeah. Okay, so you travel the world. I, I do. Um specifically where any uh, i'm really interested in relics like with, like you mentioned which are the body the relic hunter yeah <laughs> <laughs> i am a little bit um but those are if, for people who don't know what a relic is it's actually a piece of the body of a saint so um that's what got me into this is um i went to italy this is like you know years ago at this point with my ex-husband and he didn't grow up catholic and so I took him around to all of these churches and I saw all of these tourists who were just kind of like ducking their heads in these gorgeous churches and kind of looking around and like, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to look at this? Is that really like a head in a box? And then they would maybe like take a little picture and like see if anyone was looking and like dart out. And I One was, of those people are me. That's cool. <laughs> I'm into it. And I, th- I was just bummed out. I was like, oh, I know what all this stuff is because I grew up with it. And, you know, it was just part of what I like my it was part of that world for me so and it's not like the churches do a great job of you know explaining this stuff because to be fair like they do think their primary job is to be a church for the people who who attend not a tourist attraction so I was like there's got to be something in the middle where we can talk about this and it doesn't have to be this sort of sneaky thing that people feel like they can't talk about or don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I started taking a bunch of pictures and I started just posting them on Tumblr and like putting captions up. And then what year was this? That was like maybe five years ago at this point. And so I, yeah, I, people were really into it. And I started doing more research and um, talking to people at like when I would go to churches, I've learned really fast that like the person with the keys who knows the most about the church, who has the time to talk to you is the janitor. Like if you can find the church janitor, he will tell you everything and take you to weird back rooms. And so I started really like making it a point to seek out more and more and more and post more and more and more. And the captions became articles and then, I started writing for Atlas Obscura. I got involved, you know, when the Morbid Anatomy Museum was still mm-hmm. kicking. I was doing talks there, and it kind of just it went from there. People kept asking, so I kept telling. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, and in that you do this all because out of your fascination and oh yeah, it's a hundred percent compulsive. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. by day you're a lighting designer. Yeah. <laughs> But I love that you're, you know, but you're doing all this traveling too on your own, right? I mean, yeah. you're a single. I love traveling by myself. And yeah, and looking for janitors. <laughs> going a, in back. I am a single woman looking for janitors. <laughs> if anyone's listening out there, we're gonna write a and description. And is willing to go into any back contact. room in any church. Uh, <laughs> cool. Glad that's out there. Yeah. Can delete Tinder now. Yeah. No. Yeah. No worries about that. So I, I, I'm. I'll, I want to get back to um, the relics and how you see them, too, as kind of a way to accept death. Yeah. Yeah. It is a way to think about, um, to think, I would not say just, not just a way to accept death, but also a way to think about your own body. 
And why? And that's why you also have this quest, right? Because it helps you personally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That I should I talk about the? We can edit this part out. <laughs> can I talk? Should I talk about the like anorexic saint thing? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the the saints that really got me into this was Saint Catherine of Siena, and. Um, I was really attracted to her, first of all, because her head is in an amazing box in Siena, and she's still wearing her wimple, and it's detached from the rest of her, which is, um, you know, that's a sightseeing trip. Um, I saw her. <laughs> yeah, and her finger, so her head and her finger are in Siena, and the rest of her body is in Rome, in two different places. I saw um, her head and finger. That's <laughs> It's a good one, but what I what I liked about her is when I started learning about her, um, she was profoundly anorexic, um, which is something that I I struggled with when I was a teenager. I still sort of consider myself a recovering anorexic in the same way that like people consider themselves a recovering alcoholic. Like I don't think anyone would think of me that way now, but like. Mm-hmm. Your brain is still yeah. yeah. Your, your your brain is still warped. Like I'll mm-hmm. never be normal about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning about her because when I got treatment for it in high school, I I didn't really understand what any of the psychiatrists were talking about. You know, they talked about this like desire to be thin and like this is going to date me. But they talked about like oh it, you know do you want to look like Kate Moss? Is it um, is it a control thing? And it kind of was a control thing, but not, it wasn't a beauty thing. Mm-hmm. It was, um, but then when I read about Catherine of Siena, I was like, oh, it, it's actually like this. Because what she was trying to get at was control over her life when she didn't have any. And she needed, um, she wanted power. She wanted power from men in a patriarchal world. And like, I didn't have any of those words available to me when I was a teenager, but it was something that I was getting at by like trying to control what I ate. And so that understanding her that way and understanding myself that way, seeing her body sort of in pieces and venerated by ultimately the system that killed her, she starved herself to death. That was really powerful for me. And I, I like visiting her because seeing seeing saints to me is like running into old friends you're like oh my god it's you i know and like agree yeah so so that's um it's not just about death it it is about her death Mm -hmm. but it's also a lot about her life that um and her and her body that is all sort of tucked into these relics so did did you think that kicked off your fascination with that was definitely what made me want to write more because at, at first I was really just taking pictures and doing like little explainers. And that was a moment where I was like, I think that there's like a bigger cultural point to be made about death and bodies and women. And I, I think I can sort of take this on. Mm-hmm. I thought of you this morning. I um, and I'm bringing us into modern times, but uh <laughs> It was trending on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it or not, but the girl who took her own eyes out. No. Yes. A girl yesterday. Took her own eyes out? She was on meth and she took both <gasps> of her gouged both of her eyes out and says now she sees the beauty in the world. And oh. I'm thinking she probably would have been a saint. Or she would practically be. is. She's Lucy. Yeah. Right. She's Saint Lucy. 
And I was like, oh, geez. She, said, she texted me the article and said, modern St. Lucie? Question <laughs> mark. Um, I love St. Lucie. I, I keep a little icon of her on my desk at work since I am a, a lighting designer um, by trade. She's the patron saint of light. Um, and you have a t-shirt. And I have a t-shirt. I have a very cool t-shirt <laughs> from the Blessed series of her with her eyes on a plate. I'm obsessed with her. And she, she gouged her eyes out um, and in one version of her story gave them to her suitor that she didn't want to marry and was like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> her... One version, yeah. Girl, you said that on something. I was I dying. That was hilarious. Boy, bye. Boy, bye. Um, or in some version, she says, now leave me to God, which is... Yeah. Uh, which is the modern version the you modern said of version, boy, bye. Boy, bye. <laughs> um, I mean, people didn't know, didn't know what to do with women like that who were so... Who I wonder if, you know, it makes me wonder about the girl on math, like... Yeah, she was on math, but like, what was she? What was she getting at with that? Like, with the seeing the beauty in the world by mm-hmm. destroying herself. I mean, it's it's a it's a. You go back and you read the saint stories, and then you, you people say, well, if they had Prozac back then, or if they had, you know, their their disorders that they had, their mental, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think when people describe it that way to me, it's that's mental illness. That's it's, less interesting. Yeah. Because none of that stuff helped me, really. What actually helped me was going back and seeing this woman who sort of couldn't be helped. I mean, and, and if that works for, if it works for people, that's great. I'm certainly not saying don't get help. Like, you should definitely get help and seek out every road you can. But I don't think it's beneficial to go back in time and try and, like, armchair diagnose people. I think it's more interesting to go back and say, for the people who don't identify with our current definitions, is there something that we've overlooked in the past? Yeah, I agree. And that's actually a big reason why I wrote about them um, in a book, in, you know, the, the book trilogy. Because yeah. I, I don't, these these are women that made a decision to do something, to, to dedicate themselves to something, no matter what it is. I mean, but to dedicate themselves to something and they were willing to die for it. And... Mm-hmm follow through and you know it's a they're all extraordinary stories too so who would you consider your top saints top saint (laughs) um other than i mean obviously lucy patron saint of light and gouged her own eyes out um so i like to joke that she's also we have these terrible long rehearsals tech week patron saint of tech because she's gouged her own eyes out (laughs) uh also it you know besides Catherine of siena i also like francesca romana She's the patron saint of um, cars, and she does. They do the blessing of the cars in Rome, which is like already traffic is a nightmare there. Like it makes New York and LA look like a breeze. Um, but they, everyone like parks their car as close to her church, which is like next to the Colosseum, as they can. So it's this like huge mess, and they come out and they bless all the cars. But she was actually a married woman, and she founded the first order of religious women who were married and then widowed that, um, yeah, that basically like nuns that had basically already had sex, like that wasn't a thing until she made it up. But she also had an interesting relationship to her body and, and to the fact that she had been married, which she felt she had mixed feelings about. On one hand, she knew it was what she was supposed to do, 
Her husband, by all accounts, was a pretty good guy, but she never she never felt right about her femininity or her sexuality. So uh, that was a struggle for her. And she had a lot of sort of really dark sort of corporal rituals that she would inflict on herself as penance. Um, so she's, she's interesting to me. What, like, for example? She would drink from a skull to ward off the devil. The sort of um, famous one is that after... She, she would have sex with her husband. She would pour hot pork fat on her genitals um, as a way of, like, making sure she didn't enjoy it, which is, is sad and complicated. But I, I think, you know, it, that sort of self-destructive penitential streak is, is still alive in a, a lot of people, um, that she just kind of acted out on it. But she felt very besieged by mm-hmm. the devil. And one of the things that really stuck with me is um, she was washing lettuce one day and she said that the devil came to her and made fun of her for doing such a lowly womanly task and for some reason that stuck with me and I I think about her often like when I'm doing some sort of lowly womanly task and I wonder like I think about like you know I never have those feelings if I'm like being a lighting director and like being right, the like big right. dude boss, but like somehow if I'm like, you know, quietly doing my dishes, mm-hmm. I yeah, it feels a little like a waste of time. Yeah, time. yeah, and like I, I think about how she must have felt very stuck in in her life, but then she went out and did something about it. She you know, she formed this brand new way of seeing religious women. And who else? And why? Why? Why cars? Why? Oh, <laughs> why cars? Because um, people thought that she could, um, like, her spirit would float out of her at night, and she had a lamp and uh, would like guide people around Rome. So, like, headlights. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's the patron saint of cars. Is that people were like guided by her her spirit mm-hmm. yeah. okay mm. makes total sense definitely yeah 100 <laughs> percent. they all do 100 percent. yeah but you were so talking many. about Catherine of Siena helping you as a teenager and I was helped by saint um patron saint of nervous disorders um saint uh dymphna is that how you say it my grandmother gave me a card I started having panic attacks mm-hmm. when I was really young and um we had a traumatic childhood, and so I, I, I started suffering from panic and anxiety and, and depression. And she gave me the prayer card of her, and it was she was you know like my age on the card. Right, she's a teenager, and I related to her, and I read about her, and I became obsessed with her, and um, I have a you know a bracelet now that I had made with her on it, and um, so I totally relate to your. You know, you you turning to Catherine of Siena for yeah, it's it's like it's comforting. I mean, in a weird way, relate. Yeah, it's (laughs) like you you don't want this to be true. Like you want, I would like to think that oh, we've come so far. Like we don't need Mm -hmm. this anymore. You know, but it in some ways it's helpful. Like it makes you feel less crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's also just easier. Like in a way, we were talking a little bit, you know, before this about me too. In a way, the, the power structure of the world is is hidden right now. Like, there's this sort of false idea that, oh, you can you can be anything you want. You just have to try really hard. And, like, the system's not stacked against you. You just have to do better. 
But looking at our world through the, the Middle Ages, you can, you can see that that's not entirely true. That the things that St. Catherine was struggling with, control of her own body, control of her own mind and self, are, are still problems today for women. Yeah. And that's something I don't think the Catholic Church has been effective in teaching. I mean, if I, if I went... It, well, it's sh- really not, it's really not a, a religion, you know, where, you know, they really talk about women in their plight, really, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they do have, I mean, they, they, they have the, you know, they, they make them icons and they have saints and, you know, the beautification of women and, and everything. And now they're just saying that they're going to, they're going to, what are they going to do for nuns? They're going to make them, they're going to put them on the kind of same level as they do priests, they're no longer going to serve. Like bishops. seen as servants. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was like my first job when I was like, I was like 12 years old and I would go after school to um, the rectory and do like light cleaning type, heat up dinner for the priests and serve them. And anyway, that's why, that's one of the reasons I'm warped. <laughs> it's because that's what I was doing for like $3 an hour when I was 12. Oh, wow. Yeah, we used to bake cookies for priests and plant flowers in the in a monastery. We used to go for free. For free. We didn't get paid. I got three dollars an hour. You guys should have negotiated harder. We got yeah, meals here and there, but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it was a monastery. They didn't have as much as a budget, I guess. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. But um so you were talking, we we're we're airing this during Easter uh weekend. Right. Uh, kicking off Easter weekend with Elizabeth Harper. Um, so you you did a piece about Holy Week in Spain. I have. I've, I've written it. Um, as of right now, I, I don't know where I'll publish it. So we'll see. Maybe you'll read it by the time this comes out, and who knows? Um, maybe you won't. Uh, either way, I'll put up some photos because uh, it is so gorgeous. Um, last year, I went to Zamora, which is where they have the oldest... Holy Week in Spain, and they've been doing it the same way since, like, the 1200s. It's all of these confraternities, which are, like, during modern days, like, during the year, they're just, like, social clubs and charitable organizations, but during Holy Week, they do all these processions that are sort of reminders that they were originally a a penitential rite, like, they were a way for people to atone for their sins. So everyone puts on these, and some of Zamora is not a big town. And, like, sometimes people join, like, more than one confraternity. Um, so, like, each confraternity can have over a thousand members. Um, they all put on these robes and hoods, and some of them just have, like, sacks over their heads, but some of them have, like, the big three-foot-tall cone hats with the flaps over their face, and they look a lot like the Ku Klux Klan, if you're American. Um, but they've been doing it since the 1200s. They don't care about that. They're kind of sick of hearing about us, frankly. <laughs> Everyone is right at this moment. <laughs> Everyone's over us. The world is over right us. Right now, understood. But yeah, so and then they do these they do these religious processions, which start out like one a day at the beginning of Holy Week, and then by like Wednesday of Holy Week, it's like nonstop procession. So like the midnight one is ending, the five a.m. one's beginning, and everyone's just in this kind of fugue state of like you don't know. I mean, Spain is bad enough. Like, 
they don't know when to eat anywhere anyway over there. Um, they eat at dinner like eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, but I like, know. I was I when I went, did a book tour through Spain, and I did see the Holy Grail. I was told. And <laughs> uh, where was that? Oh God. Was that at um, at the big monastery outside of um, Madrid? No, no. Was, no. Was it in Sevilla? Uh, yes. Uh, I think, no. no. What was the stop before? I'll have to think. Shh. Anyway, go on. Go ahead. Anyway. It, everyone's just, you're just in this fugue state. You, state. you don't know when to eat. You don't know when to sleep. And, you know, there's all of this death surrounding you. There's, you know, constant reminders that, like, not only... That there, there's basically a human sacrifice being reenacted, which is a really unsettling feeling. And I grew, like I said, I grew up with this sort of thing. Like I grew up going to Palm Sunday Mass, where you know the whole church says "Crucify him." Yeah, um, I know. I always felt so horrible doing that. I used to mouth the words because I didn't <laughs> want to hurt too. Jesus. It's like lip syncing, yeah, and it's like he'll just know that I didn't. I didn't mean it. Not me, Jesus. Everybody else Everybody here. Else. My mom would be yelling it, and I'd be like, oh, oh yeah, stop. I'd look at all the people that I didn't like at church and be like, yeah, you would. Yeah, you would you totally you would put would. Jesus to death. Yeah. yeah, not me. You would be totally in that crowd. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's not like me. that, but it's way more, and. What was interesting to me, and I immediately noticed, but I, I had it confirmed via text from a friend of mine who had been to Zamora uh, while she was studying abroad. I'm just like waiting for one of these processions because you line up like hours early. And I get this text and she's like, how is it? She's like, is everyone still making out? And I was like, yes, everyone what? is Holy week in is Spain. up. It is a hot scene. It's like Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny, but there is this sort of relationship between reenacting a human sacrifice and I think this sort of fugue state that everybody gets into and the stars align and like it's ecstasy people's yeah it's like a thing and i i thought you know religious ecstasy i mean is that i mean if you yeah suffering in the i mean that's what george bataille thought like basically that we anything productive he said is um that's like an avoidance of death so we go to work and we work on our um our legacy we you know i believe john waters said the similar thing <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that's amazing yeah I, i'm sure he has read um eroticism yeah, by George Bataille. absolutely <laughs> but uh yeah so anything that anything that's work is an avoidance of death and so in the excesses is is life anything that's non-productive. So, um, you know, any sort of religious ecstasy or, you know, or a sexual ecstasy that doesn't, that isn't for promoting lineage isn't, is holy in a way. And that's like the, the closest you can get to God is both through death and sex, which he wrote about and, you know, the Marquis de Sade wrote about and people are apparently living in Spain. I hope they're all living it this year. I hope everyone's still doing the same thing. Rock on. <laughs> Rock on Spain. Holy week in Spain. And this is like the one, like I read about it in Zamora. Everyone's like, oh, this is the really serious one. Like there's no shenanigans in Zamora. There's plenty mm-hmm. of shenanigans in Zamora. So this should be a new spring break destination. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If somebody, if kids get you know catch on to this if you're listening yeah 
Um, so wow. we, the, did you, have you ever been to the St. Stephen's, the Sacred Heart Church in Carroll Gardens? Are they the ones that do the procession? The procession? Yeah. Yeah. Our Lady of Sorrows coming up. Good Friday. But yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, it's nothing like that. It's but, a little like that. But it's, it's. You know, I, I came across it by accident um, one year when I first moved to Brooklyn. And I was just amazed that this is happening, that this happens here. And I'm not sure if it happens in many places in the U.S. But there were women, you know, old Italian women drinking wine in their house coats. And some were in all black and with veils. Oh, and, you know, it's still, I know. <laughs> you like, should I go. March. You're going to be here tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow. No, it's not yeah, about to Friday. Yeah. Yeah. But they do it twice a year. And in September, and if you want to come back, it's not as big as in September as it is Good Friday. But... But yeah, I mean the women in the church they sew the her they sew her a new dress every year. Yeah. They sew a dress for her every year and it's so beautiful and um it's really something. So you were saying about other places in the US that do similar things? Um where else Sim- you, similar ritual? I mean any place that has like as I was thinking about LA and if LA has anything. We we do it a little differently in LA. We don't have like a Good Friday procession. Uh, we do the blessing of the animals uh, during Lent. Yeah, like, we do that. I mean, wait, you guys probably do in it in Pittsburgh. We we did that. It was do you in October? Yeah, because that's yeah. Saint Francis of Assisi's day. Right, that's he's the most, patron saint of animals. Yeah, right, that's when most people do it. So what? What? It, what? What uh, kind of? I don't know why LA does it like right before Easter during like the oh. darkest days of Lent, but that's that's how we roll. But yeah, but there there are reenactments. Um, yeah, especially if there's like an Italian community, that's. See, I've never. I mean, I, I I've traveled also through Mexico and and um, Europe, but I've never been to an. I've been to processions, mm-hmm. but I've never been to a a real like reenactment. Oh, the re well the reenactments like the ones in Spain that I went to are definitely when I say it, it was we were reenacting it. It was sort of through the liturgy. Like there wasn't like. Um, not like they do in Mexico, where, mm-hmm. like, they have the guy who plays Jesus and sort of the town participates. I've seen that in Mexico, but... And I think they do it in a couple of places in the U.S. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I've never been to one. I'd like to go. Um, Bucket list. But I, I love processions. I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not, like, you know... A You've got to go to Zamora. Die of Catholic. Catholic. Yeah, I know. Now I do. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Did you participate fully... <laughs> Elizabeth Harker? Um, yeah. Cause you did. Uh, yeah. Because, mm. like, you, what, you when, go all the way to when Spain. When in Zamora. To, when in Zamora, <laughs> one participates in Holy Week fully. Right. Thank you. Why are a good Catholic? There? She is a great Catholic. Yeah. She's an awesome Catholic. Um, so I, I, I want to know how your life, your interest, your obsession with saints, um, how that fits into your L.A. life. Um. <laughs> In some ways, it's it's very easy because L.A. has such a vibrant Hispanic community that the church is very alive. Um, like I said, the, like I'm going to take my dog to the blessing of the animals, make sure he's right with God, even if I'm not. Elroy. Elroy. Shout out to Elroy. <laughs> Shout out to my dog who's back in L.A. Um I'm saying like your oh, like your, my your life as a lighting designer, and when you were married, your husband was a TV writer, <laughs> yeah. and you know how does it 
fit in there. I, I mean, I think everyone thinks in theater, they're sort of like, oh, quirky Elizabeth is like off doing, she's off on one of her misadventures. We'll see her in a few weeks or Hopefully. a month or whatever <laughs> if she decides to come back. <laughs> Um, or isn't stuck in a basement somewhere becoming a chandelier, which is your <laughs> which is my dream. Well, your dream. Um, so yeah, they won't. I no one should be sad if that happens to me. Uh, we shall rejoice, rejoice. Yeah. yeah, no, I think everyone sort of in theater thinks it's a little odd and quirky, um, but it does fit in for me because it's it's still it's storytelling and it's lived history, which I find I interesting. Yes. So I. I find myself drawing on the saint stuff that I do a lot in my professional work, whether it's just the idea of using ritual to transmit knowledge or tell a story um, or explain why people do inexplicable, crazy seeming things. Like what's the, what's the mechanism behind that? So I think that, yeah, I, I don't think that I could, do my job as well without sort of going off and doing my same thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like, um, you know, saints, they, they had, you know, it's they, they could be very L.A. And that's why I wrote about them in Brooklyn because, you know, reimagining their lives. Um, they had superpowers, you know. They did. They, they could, Some they of them like, by location, they could yeah. levitate, right? I mean, they were the, probably the first kind of superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> really. And speaking of, do you and guys supernatural know? aspects of their stories? And I mean, you mentioned you know their storytelling and mm-hmm. stories. That's that's why I'm continue to be drawn to these yeah. tales. For sure, that's yeah. like the yeah. You're right. They are the oldest superheroes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Greek myths and all that. Yeah. Like, you can count uh, those. Greeks. <laughs> if we dug them. Um, you guys know you have, uh, in New York, one of Padre Pio's socks? No. Yeah. It's, like, right by the Macy's on 34th Street. You In Midtown, there's a little chapel. And Padre Pio, for people listening at home, is actually, in Italy, he is more popular than Jesus. He was a saint in, like, the 1960s. Which is crazy because people thought he could biolocate. He had the stigmata, which is why they have his sock because it has his blood on it. But it's he's from the '60s, so it's like a gym sock. It's like a modern. It's sock. like a tube sock. It's like a tube <laughs> sock, but Padre it has Padre Pio's blood on it. Yeah, they have this like beautiful little homemade shrine for it that's like made out of wood, and someone has like done some stencil. And it's by Macy's. Yeah, we're going pilgrimage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a tube sock. Yeah. It's a tube sock. And I it's have on pictures display. On, my, on my blog. Yeah, everyone, please check out her blog, <laughs> All the Saints You Should Know, because you should you, know. You should know about her blog and her in, and follow you on Instagram at what, what you you have two Instagrams. I'm right? Cadaver Formosus. Yes. For the Saint stuff. Yes. Definitely. If you want to see my bathtub, that. that's a that's a different thing. <laughs> Bathtub and Elroy follow her personal account. So what is your, what are you planning on writing a book or, I mean, because uh, I would love that if you did. I would love that if I, no, who am I kidding? I would not love that. I would Why? be like tortured for a year. I Be, be, a, be a young martyr and give, your, <laughs> give a year. I, I do want to write a book. Um, it's, you know, it's a question of aligning my, my professional life with the time to write a book and like, I don't know. Maybe that's next year or 
it kind of depends. Every time I see you post and I read one of your entries or something um, that you've written, I just feel like, why hasn't she written a book? I want a book from her. So I'm okay. demanding it. Lit, lit agents. So now we've <laughs> like we've established that janitors want me. Also lit agents. Highly in demand. <laughs> just so you know. I mean, really, I would love that. Because I'm... I'm I don't, I, I'm more upset. I mean, I'm not as, as obsessed with this, you know, Jesus or the male saints as I am with yeah. female what? saints. And like, I feel like I'm, if anything, it would be, I'd be in a Marian cult or something. I wouldn't, you know, I, that's more where I fit in. Mm-hmm. And so I was just wondering what's your take on the, on, on that. What I think is super interesting is and it gets a little bit to what you were saying earlier about you know that you um you didn't feel like the catholic church did a very good job of telling people about these saints and Mm -hmm. this history and you know the sort of history of dealing with with gender and bodies particularly for women there's always been sort of two catholicisms there's the official version which is very patriarchal um, and is top down. And then there's all of the fringe stuff that encompasses folk religion. And the Catholic Church loves to like swallow up indigenous culture and say, okay, now you're part of us. And now you're part of us. And we'll take all of these things and we'll just roll them in. And you can still keep doing them. You just have to be Catholic now. And that's that sort of fringy belief is where a lot of people who can't get any power from the sort of top-down patriarchy, that's where they start to turn to saint veneration and folk magic and to try and get some some heavenly power, to try and access that in ways that they're being shut out of in, in the formal mass, um, which is why I'm interested in places like, like the Fontanelli Cemetery in Naples, where, you know, it's old women who bring their lottery tickets to these skulls and they'll bring them rosaries and, and Marian prayer cards and things like that. They're, and they absolutely consider themselves Catholic, but also like they just need to make friends with this skull and adopt it and hopefully win the lottery and get a nicer apartment out of Yeah, it's this all part. very witchy, right? Yeah, it yeah. is very. But like that's a, that part kind of barely gets folded into the Catholic Church. Like it, there's an interest in keeping that separate for I think a lot of a lot of authorities to keep it a, 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 an yeah. organized religion thing. but it still exists it's yeah there. that's what I love about it that's I'm on the fringe I guess uh, do you believe do you believe in heaven and hell I mean do you believe in that I am an optimistic agnostic is what I like to say I would like to I like to believe I want to believe yeah that's okay. what I'm saying about that. <laughs> it's sort of like when you're in church and you're not going, you're going to, you know, mime I, the... I want the... Right. If I, Jesus is out there and listening I to this podcast... This, I want it to be true. I want it. I want to believe. <laughs> I agree. I... Uh, do you have anything you'd like to... <laughs> no. Like to add here about your beliefs? No. Or lack thereof? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just agnostic. Yeah. Yes, I'm open. Yeah. I just don't. But you do visit churches whenever the you, way, the way whenever you we travel. The way that we introduced to the Catholic Church mm-hmm. was not, did not speak to me at all. Right. Nor do I think it spoke, I don't think it spoke to anybody 
It was um, more out of belief, out, out of, of fear. terror. Yeah, fear. Out of just just uh, mm-hmm. ritual. Yeah. Um, there was no thought behind it. or. So let's talk about you growing up. Where, where were you born? In St. Louis, Missouri. Good. What was your what was your upbringing like? Um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, who are Italian, growing up, and we went to my grandfather went to mass every single day before he went to work, and so that was sort of my introduction to all of this. And like I said, like I grew up, you know, working for the priests, and and your grandparents were just so proud of that, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like we have we have a similar upbringing, <laughs> daily mass. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was a weird kid. That's probably not super surprising, but I just had like a, a really kind of a lot of anxiety and a dark imagination. And every now and then, like I would just kind of grasp onto something like it wasn't like a stellar religion student, but every now and then I would be like, I need to know more about leprosy and if I should be concerned. And like, that was a way to like manage my anxiety about hearing about these things was to like learn more about it. Yeah. So I became obsessed with leprosy in, like, first grade. But I also, you know, there there would be a relic that would come in on tour. And, like, I remember seeing, I, I think it was it was a piece of liver. And I was just like, and they explained to us what it was. And, and you, and you're at your church? Yeah, when okay. I was like in grade school. Well, you got relics? You yeah, got it was on tour. tour. Relics had- on tour. There's what you're doing. They do them. They they have tours all the time. You need to do them though. I need for <laughs> for women for us and do them in cool places and. Well, that's just like we're 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 from um, southwestern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is one of the largest. I think there's a church in Pittsburgh that houses the largest relic. Oh yeah, they do have a big relic shrine. Yeah, there. yeah. And our church never discussed we it. Never, never yeah, we never. We didn't even know about it until we moved to New York. There was no connection. Yeah. There was no connection to, to it at all. Yeah. Any of the stories, any of the, it was just all. I can't imagine being a nervous outsider child and seeing a liver pass through well, your church when I was, you know, I was a hypochondriac. If I, I don't know how I would process that. Well, that's the thing is like it it did really upset me in a way. And that was like because I have this thing where it's like if something upsets me, I just have to know more about it and more about it. Was it Freud that said we're obsessed with what we most with what we fear or something? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but but I yeah, so I saw the liver and like I remember thinking like, oh, my God, I have a liver and it's someday it's going to look like a little dried up piece of dirt. And that's an upsetting thought if you're in third grade. So I just kind of like went went there. <laughs> In third grade. In third, because, listen, I was, like... So what did you do? I mean, did you... Was that was that the start of your... I mean, I, I, yeah, I started being more interested in bodies and the stories behind these saints and, and thinking about death, and that sort of didn't leave. Like, that's... It's not any sort of, like, supernatural, like, comfort with death that I have that makes mm-hmm. me keep talking about it all the time. It's because yeah. I'm, like, terrified of it and, like, kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's same same here. So were you, did you say the rosaries? I mean, did you did you think that, like, I yeah, need to like, pray more? Well, did you turn to the religion more because out of fear or? The idea that there are things that I could do to ward off bad feelings has never really left me. Mm -hmm. And I, 
I understand that for what it is comforting. now. Comforting. I w- like I wouldn't dare to call it religion because I actually think better of religion than that. But it was something at the time that was really comforting. That like mm-hmm. you know that there are candles and there are certain words you can say and there are little. You said it was kind of witchy. Like there are kind of yeah. like little spells you can do that right. that made me feel better. That I even when I indulge them today, if I'm indulging them for that reason. I don't. I don't get that twisted with myself and call yeah. it call myself a good Catholic. But you, you were talking about um, anorexia and everything, and that it is. Uh, it is very. Um, it is fertile ground for OCD. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's kind of a type of it. Yes, it's a type of it, and I. I feel like that's where my my panic disorder and everything kind of. <laughs> I felt like I can control things more, you know, through religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found I found well, I thought it was comfort um, in that. I just, my problem was people like our grandparents that went to church every morning, still being on their deathbeds, terrified to die. And I was like, well, what's the point of that? You've dedicated your whole life to this and you found no comfort. Because it's fire and brimstone and judgment and all of these negative things that, that, uh, our, our grandmother was like, you know, I mean, no one's a saint. I mean, they're saints except are flawed, for saints. except for saints. Um, <laughs> except for saints. Um, she she was a beautiful woman that you know baked, and she, you know, lived, lived this very simple life. She was a farmer, and and that she would like you know go to confession and you know say that she sinned, and we're like, what? What do you mean you sin? You know, she would be so like ashamed. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just that that part of it really, I think, took hold because I was like, if my grandmother has shame, right, for doing, for like I don't know thoughts, you know thoughts what I mean? About saying yeah, the <laughs> thoughts, F word, yeah, thoughts about no, yeah, even. whatever that like you wanted to call somebody something, and you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was so, you know, because they said you know, I mean, the the whole, the whole religion is based around guilt. And so... I mean, I, I have my own, like, sort of take on... Like, well, let's what, hear your take. Oh, I, I think it, a lot of the religion is based around around bodies. Like, that's, that's the thing that sets Catholicism apart from other types of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And shame and guilt are part of how people cope with their bodies. But I, I think that that's, like, the big... You know how 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 are we different from Baptists or Episcopalians mm-hmm. or things like that? But yeah, I think that's. I think if I grew up like that with you know someone, with especially like relatives who were still afraid to die and upset about, like if that brought them no comfort, then I don't know that it would have taken. My relatives were always very comfortable with death and talking about death and joking about death, like all we do, like. My sister and I laugh about it all the time because, like, every time we see our mother or before, you know, she passed my grandmother, every single holiday is like, well, I have one foot in the grave. Yeah, but it wasn't really a joke. It um, was. I mean, it, for them, it, it like... Like, that's all my grandmother not. talked about was preparing for death. And, and once it came, like you said, to see that look, you know, that fear in her... <laughs> Yeah, I guess you know, they were, uh, my my family is maybe just berserkers. They they haven't had like 
the fear in them. I think. And so that sounds healthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it does. It sounds healthy. <laughs> but they talk about it and joke about it, and like it's a it's a running theme. Yeah, I mean, it, we grew up around that um, too, but it was more. I think like this might be this will be my last Christmas. Oh, it's or, everybody's last Christmas yeah, every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This might be the last it's more Christmas of a, we you have. Know, have together so and, and then my grandmother would constantly tell us about someone in church that passed away that was our age oh, it happened yeah. to be our age and <laughs> we, just dropped dead yeah like they don't know what happened or something busted in there you know it was an aneurysm and you're like <laughs> the first like, little 15 minutes of a phone call to like anyone in my family is like who died something terrible yeah who, who, who died, died and how and how does it relate to me and why should i fear this why why does it have to you know why do i have to think about this for the rest of my life it's like i, I there are stories that my grandmother's told me that i i still think about to this day wow like yeah what? like this guy dropping dead from an aneurysm i just said it as a joke but like that's still with um, you. Yeah, it's still with me. I think about it a lot. Anyway, he was, you know, a member of the church, too. And so I was like, okay, well, if this could happen to him, you know, a member of the church. Yeah. It could surely happen to me. Member of the church. So where, where does your next, where's your next stop? What are you planning um, on? I have, I have designs on going to Malta this summer. Um, poking around there. Um probably stopping over in Sicily for a little bit. I, yeah, there's a bunch of fantastic, um, specifically the Knights of Malta have very interesting death imagery um, that their crypts are, they have a lot of good skeletons, very lively skeletons. I love a lively skeleton. <laughs> so, because that's like the perfect memento mori. Like yeah. a little animated, you know, a friendly death reminder. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I haven't I haven't booked it yet. I'm kind of figuring out my schedule this summer, but like that's my that's that's my big plan. And so I so I have a, you're going to Sicily. I I wish I remembered the church. It was devastating because I do have moments of okay, especially when you're in Sicily or you know Rome. Mm-hmm. You get t- you get you know swallowed up. I get swallowed up again. <laughs> oh yeah, swept up in it. Swept up. Yeah. It's by design. And mm-hmm. I, I, I went I, in this old, uh, obviously old, um, church in Sicily, and I was the only person in there. It was, ha- it was in disrepair. It was beautiful. And I was lighting candles. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I was like, oh, I have more money. Like, even though no one was there. I had to pay for every candle. Yeah. But I wanted to light one for everybody. So I was like, this is the You're closest in Sicily. I felt yeah. to this uh, everything. But um, so I was lighting candles and this priest came out from the back and just what started yelling at me in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and Candle started hog. putting out my candles. And I, and I was trying to show him my wallet. I paid. For these. Oh, I wonder what he was saying. I don't know. <laughs> like, but candle hog. It scarred. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. hog the candles. It was. It scarred me. That sounds. It sounds so typical. And like experiences, sort of like that. Like there are so many people I've talked to who have visited and like tried to make an effort and tried to learn and like just come up with nothing because there's not even like a a small effort on a, a lot of times to try to reach out to people who are 
making a, an effort. So I, that was like... I was shut down. Yeah, but that's kind of why I, I like... It's like, screw this. Wrote the blog. I wanted to write the blog for people like that who had like, you know, walked into a church and had some feeling and some experience and wanted more information. Maybe, maybe they're not ready to... Or maybe they will never be ready or don't want to engage with um, a priest or someone who has, you know, more of a stake for their soul in it. I, I like information being... What is there. the, what is the, it, have, have, you must have stories about things that have happened to you in churches that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. Uh, let me think. Setting aside Holy Week in Spain, Set, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever happened, happened there. there stays um, there, it stays right? in Spain. Yeah. Um, no, there's, there was, okay, so um, this was two years ago. I spent um, All Souls Day in Rome. And so there's All Souls Day and All Saints Day. All Saints Day is obviously for all the saints. Um, at all Souls Day, it's uh, November 1st and 2nd are these holidays. Uh, so it's right after Halloween. Uh, all Souls Day is for all of the like souls for people you know in purgatory. And, you know, they're not saints. So there's um, a lot of churches open their crypts. And, you know, you can tour them and say prayers for the dead. There's a big mass. Um by the Tiber and they throw a river, uh, they throw a river. There's a big mass um, by the Tiber and they throw a wreath into the river for all of the unknown people who have died over the over that year. But I went down to one of my favorite crypts, um, which is uh, St. Mary of Prayer and Death, which I like them because- mm, Nice title. Yeah, love I mean, it. it's, it's right on. Gotta love it. It what it says on the tin. <laughs> They have a really interesting crypt because it used to be, um, they used to have kind of like the Temple of Vivants is the wrong word because Vivant means life. Um, but they would arrange these tableaus for um, All Souls Day where they would prop the dead people up and do like scenes of the apocalypse and like theatrical scenes. And they would have wax figures and costume designers and, and lighting designers even. Like there was a receipt that... Um, I saw at one point for a guy who installed all of the little oil lamps in these tableaus. But it was so it was very theatrical. And the crypt still part of it still exists. And it's open like this one day a year. It used to be open more. Um, but I've done all this research about it and I love it. And this nun was sort of like letting people know it was open because it's a weird little side door. And then I was down there with like one other person and I started telling them about it. And then the nuns started going out and like grabbing people and like bringing them in and being like, you should talk to this nice English speaking lady. He became a... And I was like, tour guide. This is my dream job. This yeah. is literally my dream job right now. Like I could just sit here and like give tours of this crypt all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cause then like, otherwise that wasn't, that's not available. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to print her up a little brochure to hand out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's, you know, that's what your blog does. And that's why I think you should tour relics. And <laughs> um, so when you die, let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> when I die, which I only <laughs> think about Before that, I do have to say right. that nobody, it, 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 the way that we were, um, that we were taught, I guess, uh, Catholicism, was, nobody goes right to heaven. No one. No. no everybody... Unless you're a martyr. Unless you're a martyr. Then you go right to heaven. Right. Um, 
So what you have to look forward to is purgatory. And yeah. What's the what's the peace and the? I mean, according to our family, our dad is he died what twenty years ago or something mm-hmm. at forty two, and he's still there, right? He will be there probably. What they say, hundreds of years. Well, time works differently. Yeah, I know. No one's really sure. Yeah. Um, Cuban years. How hard can years. you be at peace? Yeah. How, knowing. Okay, what what well, do you What are your feelings on purgatory? Um. <laughs> I love the story of it. I love the idea of it, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I mean, I I think about it as sort of a metaphorical time period. Like, um, it's it's that time when we are more uncomfortable with death. That you know we're uncomfortable with with a dead body that isn't. You know, skeletons are actually pretty easy to accept. Like, they're basically children's decorations for Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's like that's pretty much all look the same. But, yeah, but there's something about a not quite dead thing that's uh, like a you know a zombie or even like a, a decaying body that's not done changing that we're uncomfortable with. And I what I like about purgatory, separate from when you're talking about what the you know the actual like Catholic beliefs is that it does make room for an uncomfortable period where you're not expected to be okay with it. Are we not in an uncomfortable period now? <laughs> but, I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, how much unco- more We're uncomfortable? We're lambs to the slaughter right now. <laughs> there's this, and then there's fire being caught on fire <laughs> in hell. Right? What's in between that? Well, hopefully, I mean, anyone in purgatory is not on their way to hell. Right. So, no, but it's like it's, it's just a holding cell. So, yeah, what's it's a, what's it's happening a to you? Holding tank. You're changing. Okay. You're getting better. You are. Yeah. You're shedding all that stuff. By you what don't means? Need. By being like having coal at your feet. I mean, listen. And you're talking to a, a former Tell us. anorexic, so like I could be like, "You're purging. It's great." But like that's what it is. Um, that's what it's. Well, I'm an overeater. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we am have. I, we am have, I binging in the fridge? What's happening to me? <laughs> is it a personal experience? Am You're I surrounded eating? by cheese. There are uh, so many like. And you that's can't not purgatory. I w- that's heaven. You can't partake. <laughs> that's my heaven. No, but it, I, I do. What I, I guess I. What I was saying is I do like that. There's right after a death, like the idea that purgatory is a liminal space and still in touch with the world, and that. It's it's sort of the only church-sanctioned ghosts are, like, souls in purgatory that can visit. And so that that relationship is a slow going away. And, um, you know, even though it's a, it's uncomfortable, like, it's a, it's a time to sit and be uncomfortable Ghosting. with death. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the part that I sort of connect with about it. And then, you know, at some point, like... You're never really okay with death, but at some at some point there's a, a slow. You realize, oh, I, I've been okay for like a, a couple of days and a couple more days, and that that way, I don't know, makes more sense to me. More of a instead of a bam, yeah, you're in heaven, or like a just a like a well, you were either bad or good. That yeah, there is like some sort of change that has to happen. Right. Why are we here then? Why are we here? According to the church, why are we on earth if that is, if we are going to a place where... (laughs) Because this is where we make our mistakes. Right? I I am so unqualified. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what to do. I I should not tell you what to do. Um, 
This is where they lose me, Elizabeth. Yeah, we need to open some wine right now. <laughs> yeah. Get real. Get a pack of new forts. Yeah. Um, so right. back to death. Yes. <laughs> we haven't left it. Yeah, we know. Uh, back to your death. <laughs> So you, what what do you want to ha- we we touched on this what you want to happen we did allude to it and I yeah. I joking I jokingly say that I want to be a chandelier when I die because explain the chandelier in a number of crypts um, mostly in Italy because that's where they got down with this kind of thing they would take bodies sometimes of monks sometimes unclaimed people sometimes when they you know wanted to build a church and they accidentally hit a mass grave when they dug the foundation, they would take the bones and build them into really beautiful works of art. And sometimes that's chandeliers. In that crypt that I was talking about earlier, um, St. Mary of Prayer and Death, they actually went ahead and like wired them up. So like at some point electricity happened and they're like, let's keep the bone chandeliers and run some wires, which I like that idea. And I'm, you know, being a lighting person, I, Oh, right. That's perfect I would for like you. to be. It is perfect. But also, like, I like the idea of, I mean, I've gotten so much joy. Joy is maybe a wrong word. I've got, but no, I have gotten joy about going to these places and finding them and figuring out the story. And I feel a debt of gratitude to the people who became these places and made them meaningful. And so... I, part of me wishes that I could join them and no one would ever know like, oh, that's Elizabeth. She's a chandelier now. It's just like, wow, that's a person chandelier. Um, so it's your way of giving back. Yeah, I would like I would like that. I don't think it's going to happen for me, but I would like it. Your intention is out there. Yeah. <laughs> just my intentions are out there in a lot of ways in this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so janitor, <laughs> book deal, chandelier. Going how it's going list. down. Um, so we ask all of our guests, um, who their strange woman throwback is someone who, I don't know if you want to pick St. Catherine. Um, Sienna, I mean, yeah, we, but we hit a couple of mine, but I'll, um, someone who's inspired you and there actually is a, a entirely different woman who's not a saint. Um, and she's kind of, she's very, very different from me. Um, but her name is, uh, Joan Carol Cruz. And she wrote a book called The Incorruptibles. And it's basically the only time anyone's ever tried to take stock of how many incorrupt saints there are. And she was- Can you explain what incorruptibles, what incorrupt saints are to the listeners? Incorrupt saints are these, um, they're saints that when they open the tomb for beatification, which is part of it, to make sure that it's the right person, um, to take relics that they'll distribute around the world. When they open the tomb, sometimes the saint hasn't rotted. And we know now that that's not a miracle. The church doesn't say it's a miracle. They know that it's because of microclimates that happen in the tomb, but it's considered a favorable sign. Like they think, you know, you can think that God controls microclimates. That's compatible. So a lot of times what happens is when they take the body out, it will decompose after Um, because the climate's been disturbed. So there's um, a lot of times they'll take steps to try and preserve it the way it was found, whether that's putting a wax face on it or uh, doing some sort of embalming or acid treatment. Um, But there are are a lot of incorrupt saints, maybe um, probably a couple hundred, but 
no one's really sure because, you know, it goes, it goes back so far that records weren't always kept and they weren't always kept well. A lot of uh, the saints that we thought were incorrupt that came from a particular region in Italy around the same time in the Middle Ages wound up um, not being incorrupt. Uh, that was only discovered like fairly recently. Anyway, um, Joan Carol Cruz wrote the book The Incorruptibles. She is a much better Catholic, was a much better Catholic than I am. Um, and she did it all, um, I think she lived in New Orleans, and she did it all by mail. What? She didn't go anywhere, but she corresponded with all of these shrines and wrote them all and asked for information on their saints. And a lot of times they would send her back postcards and pictures and information. Um, and she compiled all of it into this book. And it's still kind of, it's not fully up to date, but it is one of the better books we have on Incorrupt Saints. And I, I she's someone I think about often, that she was so driven to um, to do the work in some ways that the church wasn't interested in doing and that she was she wanted to know about these saints and tell other people about them and catalog them and make sure that they were um, that this information was organized somewhere. So and what year was uh, this is like in the 60s okay. I think. And do you think the church didn't really want to do it or they knew that we, I mean, we just sainted this whole sect of people from this climate, and we're not really wanting for the information to be out there. I think that they are less interested, not because of anything really sneaky, but because, A, it's, you know, debatable about why this happens and when it happens, if it really happened, especially, like, going back in history— but the thing about relics and authenticity is that um, there's a different standard in the church. And that's it, that is, if the relic works, if it helps people, then it's authentic. Then God is working through it. So, you know, in the Middle Ages, there was this proliferation. There we go. Edit that together. Um, of relics um, that a lot of them were fake. And we still have... A, some of them will never sort out uh, what's real and what's not, but they're still in churches. That's why saints have five heads sometimes, and they're all in different churches, but they all work, and there's no real interest in, you know, DNA testing is problematic anyway because the DNA degrades, um, but there's no interest. It's It works, and it's valuable. So I, I think that's part of why, and, you know, the sort of hand-me-down record-keeping of, Italy in the Middle Ages is, um, yeah, that I think that there's not a lot of interest on their part. But yeah, I like that there was interest on her part, and that she, she said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the one. I'm gonna write the book on incorrupt saints." Yeah, and you were saying she's she was a better Catholic than you. Yeah, she's a, she's definitely she wrote a couple books on saints, and she's definitely like, so she's a believer. She's a true believer, through and through. Because I I, I don't know a lot of people. In fact, I know very few, and you're one of them, that know so much that we're, we're, you were curious enough to, even as a child, to further research, um, you know, Catherine and, you know, other saints and, and the Catholic Church and, and everything, to further research on your own and still believe. Because I think a large oh, on, part... On an academic Yeah, um, a large part level. of 
you know, what the Catholic Church relies on is that people won't do that, I think. That's my cynical yeah, and person I mean, talking, but... Well, the Catholic Church, especially in America, is is much different, I think, than in a lot of Europe, where a lot of the relics are, and there's a different relationship to the saints there that's more, I think, informal. And it's not so much a given there that being Catholic comes with a set of political beliefs, that there's, there's more room for different ways of expressing belief, um, different, different viewpoints and things that may not mesh, but it's, it's a, I think it's a bigger tent. Do you, do you think women should be, um, priests? Ooh. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, so it's funny. I, I was actually, I was the first altar girl at my church. Um, again, not because I was particularly devout, but because I was annoyed. I was like, why aren't there altar girls? And then all of a sudden, like when I was, you know. Trailblazing at the age of it. what? How old were you? I was probably like 11 when they started. Sweet. Like I remember um, they said, yeah, the, like you can have altar girls now. And um I had kind of made a stink about it, so I was like, well, I guess I'm an altar girl now, and I was not very good at it. I was not super... Did you <laughs> ring the bell at weird times? <laughs> I was always, like, ringing the wrong thing. You get so angry. <laughs> like, you have to ring it twice, can't you? Like, ringing the bells is the easy part, yeah. unless you're, like, spaced out, and you're like, oh. Yeah, ding, that's, ding, ding, that's ding. more like it. Um, yeah, but I was not... I was not the best at it, but I did put up a fuss, so I feel like I should say yes, women should be priests. <laughs> Do you did you wear sneakers with your robe? No, I wore dress shoes. My mom's okay, not sweet. Let me. You did it right. You did it right. Um, a lot of the people in our where we lived had had uh, ball practice. Yes, right. <laughs> right or a game. Or yeah, a game. Yeah, yeah, you got to get those CYC games in. Right. A lot of 90s. wrestling shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Some cleats. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. And I want to also touch on why you're in town. Oh, so yeah. Super cool reason. Um, so there is a museum or uh, there's a opening at the Met Brewer of an exhibit called Like Life. Um, and it's about sculpture and the body and color. And, uh, I took a photograph that's in the catalog of a, in, well, not incorrupt, of a saint. Um, she's actually a saint from Rome who has a, a wax portraiture face. Who is she? Um, she is Anna Maria. I'm going to mispronounce her last name. She's on your blog. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Don't, don't put that part in. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she's uh, at uh, San Crisoguno in Rome. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations on that. And you should go, if you're in New York, definitely go see the exhibit. You can see um, the philosopher Jeremy Jeremy Bentham. Is that who? Mm-hmm. He is, they're bringing his body over and his head. Yeah, we did talk about how that might be transported. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Delicately. Yeah. <laughs> on the because lap he's of someone. not, is he well-preserved? I don't know. I've never actually seen I, him. Don't. I, I just from photographs. From, yeah, he doesn't look that. I mean, no, none of them really. Do <laughs> they say they're incorrupt him. or. I mean, he's kind of straight up stuffed, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to spread rumors. No, we've seen. I mean, I've, I've so. seen I pictures online right. of him. Yeah. Of his body. And it's. He's well taxidermy. <laughs> it doesn't look. 
Um, you know what? If you have to be I can be a chandelier. I just need I to think, make this happen. I, I don't know yeah. why you're thinking you can't. Yeah. Why, why is this beyond you? Why is this, why, this, is, not why is this an unattainable <laughs> dream for you? You're, you can make this happen. We, yeah. we will we'll make it happen. You were Thank an you. altar girl. You've made a Go. lot of things happen, Elizabeth Harper. And um, thank you so much for for, for, for hanging me. out with us. Please, everyone out there, follow her um, on Twitter at Elizabeth Harper. Oh, and Cadaver Formosa. Sorry. On Twitter. And um, and also on and Instagram. And on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and you're on Facebook, too. But I am uh, on Facebook, lightly. lightly. All the Saints You Should Know has a, a page, which I forget to update. Okay, so there <laughs> awesome. you go. Great, Great Catholic. Catholic. Social media. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you so much. It was good to see you again.